Hey, in 2005, I was with a friend traveling through uh, Malaysia, the peninsula, East Malaysia, Brunei, Jerusalem, and uh, Cambodia. I was with a, a good friend of mine who's probably, you could call him a mentor, I guess, and we were, he's a missionary, and we're traveling, and um, he's, he made this comment uh, that's uh, stuck with me uh, since he said it, which probably, probably about 15 years ago, about 2005, no, more than 15 years ago now. Is it 15 years ago? Five, 15, 12. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Maths was my strong suit in school. You can see that. And uh, anyway, we were traveling and he, he made this statement that's just stuck with me. And he said this, he said, um, having an encounter with Jesus is kind of like standing in the middle of a highway and getting hit by a truck. People know what happened. <laughs> There's something different about you. You know, who knows that if you got hit by a truck, you're going to look a bit different in the morning, right? And, uh, his theory was this, that when you have an encounter with Jesus, people are going to see something different about you. That when you have an encounter with God, you're going to begin to speak differently. You're going to begin to, 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 to even look different. The way that you portray yourself is going to be different. There's going to be something different people are going to notice. There's going to be a side effect to your encounter with God. There's going to be a side effect. To your, let's uh, get our PowerPoint working. That's all right. Thank you, legends. And there's going to be a side effect with your encounter with God. Side effects are an amazing thing. Um, three years ago, I broke my leg playing soccer, and uh, they threw me on this drug called Endone. Anyone been on Endone before? And it was just massive painkiller, and it would just knock me out. I would take it. I'd be. At, I'd just. I'd just be asleep for hours. It would knock me out. The side effects of that drug were unbelievable. Um, you know, uh, our generation, we're the most medicated generation in history, we are, um, most medicated to ever live. In fact, right now in Australia, uh, roughly one in 10 are on antidepressants, right? So we, let's say we've got 20 million, give or take whatever, you know, 2 million are on prescribed antidepressants. We're the most medicated generation to exist. I don't know if you've looked at side effects for antidepressants um i did uh, so you take this drug you know to make yourself not depressed and uh, the side effect is nausea <laughs> that's good uh, increased appetite you know so you take this drug to not be depressed and then you get fat uh, you know which makes me more depressed um loss of sexual desire <laughs> now i'm getting depressed <laughs> you know uh, insomnia you know, um, so now if it's not working, I can stay awake and think about it. <laughs> you know, constipation. <laughs> I don't know, but you, I just want a good dose of depression. That'll do me. You know, not the not have all these side effects that go along with it. You know, uh, sometimes the side effects do more damage than the initial thing that I had. Um, you know, and it's the same in life. You know, so often I think we prescribe medication to ourselves maybe not like physical medication but we 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 uh, put things in our life that are kind of like band-aids to keep pain out or to keep pain at bay and we just medicate ourselves on certain things not realizing that the side effects of the decisions that we're making are doing more harm than the initial issue uh, for example um anyone here um like being angry <laughs> i got one over here two yeah <laughs> Isn't it good to sometimes have a good bout of anger? You know, you feel good. You know, you're trying to defend yourself, maybe insecurity. You get, you get angry. You know, it feels good. You, you begin to portray power over people, you know, and you tell them where, where you stand and, and, you know, you become bigger than them. You know, you release some rage and it feels good to, some, to sometimes get angry. 
you know, and then you go into that thing where you start having, you know, an imaginary conversation with yourself. Anyone ever done that before? Yeah, you know those imaginary conversations when you're arguing with yourself, well, with your spouse or with a friend, and you're always right, aren't you? You're never wrong. They're so good. You know, and everyone in your imaginary conversation, they agree with you, you know, and, and you're right, they're wrong, they are totally wrong. You're right, Tim. Tim, you're right. That injustice, you, that was what they did to you was wrong. You're right. You know, it's a bad day when you start losing your own imaginary conversation. <laughs> Might need to get some of those drugs. <laughs> you know, we like getting, I guess, angry. Uh, let's talk about anger for a minute. You know that when you get angry, you lose blood from your brain. Okay, you lose blood. Because you're, when you're angry, your body gets ready for a fight. And so when you get angry, you lose blood from your brain and it causes your IQ to drop by 25%. It does, okay? And so the average IQ is about 100, right? Um, mental issues start happening at about 84 and functional retardedness is 75. Meaning that if we're average 100 and we lose 25% when we're angry, we're functionally retarded, <laughs> right? Meaning this, have, have you ever noticed that angry people get themselves into trouble more often than not? It's because the blood's gone and they can't make a proper decision because they're not all mentally there, you know? And so anger, what seemed like a good thing at the time to go, oh, I'm gonna get angry. I wanna portray my rightness over you. What might feel good at first really has some pretty bad side effects. <laughs> you know, and you can have some bad side effects with being angry. And so there's lots of things that we do that mask needs and desires. But really, can we afford some of the side effects? Does working longer hours really fix issues at home? Does looking at porn really fix loneliness? Does alcohol really mask boredom? Can gossip really deal with relational issues no they're just masking agents and the majority of the time the side effects of these things are more dangerous than the problem that they were trying to fix in the first place and so i guess the question is this what then do i do when life seems to throw evil and injustice at me what do i do then if <clears throat> if there isn't anything that I can just put a band-aid over, what can I do? Is there anything to replace, you know, uh, uh, the things when life seems to throw a valley at me, when life seems to throw me a curveball? Is there something that I can do to fix the issue and not just stick on a band-aid or take some form of prescribed medication and uh, have bad side effects? And the answer simply is, yes, there is. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> his name is Jesus. The cross of Christ is to replace the dysfunction that humanity found itself in. <clears throat> you know, the cross of Christ, we talked about this last week. Jesus didn't come to get people to heaven. Hold your stones, <laughs> right? He didn't come to earth to get people to heaven. The purpose and foundation of the cross was to liberate slaves. That was the purpose of it. Jesus came to liberate slaves. Whenever Jesus came into a room, the people didn't say, oh, Jesus is here, great, we can go to heaven. No one ever said that in the Bible. What they did say is two things. Number one, they said, great, Jesus is here. Hey, can we overthrow Rome now? They wanted a political insurrection. That's what they were after. The second thing was they said, Jesus, 
They wanted to alleviate evil from the Romans, right? Second thing was, Jesus, can you raise my dead daughter to life? Can you heal me from this unjust health condition? Every time someone had an encounter with Jesus, they were after an alleviation of evil and injustice. That's the foundation of Christianity. The reason that we exist following Jesus is that we become that walking alleviation of evil and injustice. That's why we exist. It's why Jesus came. It's kind of like human 2.0. Once we were slaves to what we call sin, which simply means missing the mark, which simply means that we're slaves to evil and injustice. Once we were slaves to that, but Jesus came. And now when we follow Jesus, we're no longer slaves to those those things. But now we can choose things that are righteous and full of peace. Right? And so that's how we find ourselves right now through Jesus we can live lives where we're no longer slaves to sin but Tim how do we life will still throw me a curveball life it seems life is still full of injustices it seems life is still full of evils how do I live in a way that causes me to walk through those things and not feel the sting if you've got your Bible open it to uh, Hebrews 12 2 tonight I have it on the screen if you want to follow with me. Hebrews 12 too. I just want to unpack this tonight. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this week, if you know, find yourself reading your Bible, um, you know, or maybe you need a, a scripture for your life group to study, I get this one out, Hebrews 12, verses 2. Um, it would be a great thing to study. Check this out. So how do we live a life, you know, that I guess the sting of pain, you know, the sting of Injustice, You know, I walk through it, but it's not going to hurt me. How do I live a life like that? Well, it's right here in Hebrews 12, verses 2. Check this out. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, if there was one person, if there was one thing to keep your eyes on, I recommend Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) If there was one thing to get some form of inspiration, if there was one person that you could look to that you could trust always, if there was one person that you could look to, you know, and never doubt, that person is Jesus. Why? Check this out. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. You know, I don't know about you, but when I put my eyes on myself, I get depressed <laughs> because I'm a failure. When I'm, you know, when I look to myself, all I see is my own insecurities. All I see is the things that I'm not good at. But there's just something that changes when I take my eyes off myself and put them on Jesus. Because he both began and finished well. Who knows it's not how you start the race, but how you finish. Who knows, it's not how you start the game, but it's how you finish. It's not how you start the puzzle. It's how you finish the sucker. It's not how you start your Lego. It's how you finish it. Jesus both began and finished the race that we are in. Check this out. Study how he did it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross shame, whatever. You know, it was an uh, Aussie writing this, hey, because of the whatever's in the Bible. <laughs> Cross, shame, whatever it was. You know. uh, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, which means this, you know, when you find, 
you know, in life sometimes, you, man, I, I just feel tired. I just, I just, don't, I don't know if I could go. I, I don't know if I can do it. I just, I got no energy. You know, my faith seems to be flagging. I'm just not sure if I can go another step. Ever been there in life before where you just feel like the burden of the world is on you and you just can't go any further. When you feel like that your faith is flagging. Check this out. Go over that story again. Item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through. Whenever you feel like life is throwing you the curveball, stop looking at your own predicament and take, take your eyes off yourself and look at Jesus. Because what he went through, I tell you what, each story, each thing that he went through, we can get something from his life that will give us inspiration to keep going. And so even in times when our faith is flagging, Jesus can be that place of inspiration. Check this out. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I tell you what, if you want your Christianity to have good side effects, not just in your own life, but in the lives that you touch around you, if you want that adrenaline, if you want to live that Christian life that, you know, no matter what you go through, good times, bad times, it doesn't matter. You've just got this excitement in your soul. You've got this excitement in your spirit. You've got this purpose about you. If you want to live that kind of Christian life, simply this, look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look what he went through. And when you feel like life is getting you down just a little bit, look at Jesus again and walk hard. And when you feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, look at Jesus again. And I tell you what, you're going to find inspiration from him. You're going to find inspiration for your faith. You're going to find inspiration through hard times, through difficult times. And it's all because we got our eyes off ourselves and on him. So, where can we look, really simple, to find out where this inspirational Jesus is? You know, where in the Bible can we look and go, you know what, when I go through those times, I, you know, or I want my life to have good side effects. I don't want my life to have, you know, negative side effects anymore, negative side effects in my marriage, negative side effects in my family, negative side effects in my study. You know, I, I, I want to live a life where the side effects seem to be good. You know, Jesus said, I came to give life and life to its fullest, abundant. I want that kind of side effect. Where can we find Jesus, I guess, teaching that kind of side effect? And so tonight I want to look at the seven things that Jesus said while he was dying on the cross. The seven things that Jesus said when he was dying on the cross, seven in the Hebrew language is the number of completion, FYI. And so how can I live a life of completion? How can I live a life where if I adopt these things, life feels completed and no longer do I have to subscribe to myself meaningless things that are just band-aids that give me bad side effects. Are you ready? awesome the first thing that jesus said is this in luke 23 34 jesus said father forgive them for they don't know what they are doing number one is this forgive if you're taking notes tonight number one forgive you know forgive jesus on his worst day jesus on his worst day you know <laughs> forgives people he forgives people i think the first thing that we can learn from god is to forgive people forgive easy you know that person that's in your life right now it seems like they've you know gone to a self-help course just to destroy yours you know that person you know forgive them whoever that person is forgive easy forgive 
easy. You know, ever notice that success is usually a product of hard work? Forgiveness is hard work because sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you want them to burn in hell. But we've got to be people that know how to forgive easy. We need to learn how to hold offense lightly. You know, uh, Jesus... um, Actually, you know, if we were to take everyone's problems and write them down in here tonight, 90% of those problems would be relational. You could eliminate 90% of the problems that you have in life just by forgiveness. Isn't that pretty cool? You can keep that one. That was free. The rest will cost you your life. (laughs) Jesus is being mocked and tortured and abused. You know, the cross was not a politically correct way to die. You know, do you know who was killed on the cross? Political insurrectionists. The Romans would put you on the cross if you're trying to, you know, cause a political disturbance. And so Jesus finds himself on the cross. What they would do is they would tie rope around your arms and your legs to hold you up there. And it would take days for you to die. You would die eventually from suffocation because you'd have to pull yourself up to get a breath. And over days, sometimes even weeks, it would take you to die. It was a reminder, hey, don't rise up against Rome. This will happen to you. They didn't tie Jesus to the cross. They nailed him to the cross. And so every time that he breathed, he would have to pull himself up on the nails just to catch a breath. And in that one moment when he could have said, far out, this is unfair. He said, I forgive you. He said, I forgive. When was the last time someone did something unjust to you and immediately you said, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I'm not gonna hold that in my heart. I forgive. My pastor used to tell me this, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, unforgiveness causes health issues. Forgiveness of self, and this was in the Journal of Applied Sciences 2009. I read this. Forgiveness of self and others has been the most powerful predictor of both depression and suicide ideation. Meaning this, that people who know how to forgive easy think less about depressing moments in their life or suicidal thoughts. Check this out. Everett Worthington, a doctor, said, Chronic unforgiveness causes stress. Every time people think about their transgressor, their body responds. Decreasing your unforgiveness cuts down on your health risk. Now, if you can forgive, that can actually strengthen your immune system. Isn't that interesting? Even medically, they've seen now that people who seem to harbor hate get sick more often. Forgive for your health, if anything. (laughs) You know, get healthy. Forgive, you know, forgive easy. Forgiveness is constant. Forgiveness isn't this. Forgiveness isn't minimizing the seriousness of the incident. Forgiveness isn't saying what they did was okay. Forgiveness isn't instant restoration of trust, right? That's not what forgiveness is. But forgiveness is a releasing of the debt that they need to pay you. That's what forgiveness is. It's a releasing. It's, it's me saying, it's me saying, I release you of anything that I think you owe me. That's what forgiveness is. So number one, forgiveness. I think that if we can be people who forgive, the side effects are going to be a lot better than the side effects of unforgiveness. Amen? Is that good? Great. Number two, help others. Number two, help others. Luke 23. 
uh, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffs, so you're the Messiah? <laughs> Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. The other criminal protested, don't you fear God? You know, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, if there was one time for Jesus to be selfish, this moment is it, I think. He's hanging on a cross, not by rope, but by nails. He's slowly suffocating, and the guy next to him says, hey, Jesus, will you remember me? If there was one time for Jesus to go, no, can you not see I'm having a bad day too? Who here is helping me? If there was one moment that Jesus could have gone a bit selfish, this is it. But this is the thing. This guy says, hey, Jesus, will you remember me? This guy's basically what he's saying is, Jesus, can you minister to me right now? Jesus, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling separated from my community. Can you minister to me? And Jesus hauls himself up and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he helps someone else. He helps this man find peace. He helps this man find salvation. Salvation simply means help. That's what it is. You know, salvation is help, is helping others. And so Jesus becomes this help for this man. Jesus becomes this salvation for man. In the moment where Jesus could have said, rack off, he didn't. He says, you know what? Let me help you. Tell you what, if you want to have good side effects in your life, help others. Find people who can't help themselves. Find people who are worse off than you. You know, there's a couple in our church, they're not here tonight, Peter and Rochelle Zimmerman. And uh, I just love those guys. They're fantastic. They came to uh, us uh, uh, last year and said, hey, we think we should do stuff for the homeless people in our city. And it was like, great, go for it. And so they did. And now every Saturday they feed homeless people. They clothe homeless people. How cool is that? They begin to help others who can't help themselves. Right there, that's Jesus. Right there, they're good side effects, Amen. That's a good, I want to live that kind of life. Number three, care about others. There's a difference between helping people. Anyone can help people, but caring about others is different. Care about others. John 19, 25 says this. Sending to the cross with Jesus' mother, his mum's sister, uh, this other chick called Mary. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Uh, just FYI, side note, this would have been very offensive, what Jesus said, if his dad was around. Um, scholars suggest that Joseph may have died during Jesus' childhood. Because um, if, if Joseph was around, then he would have been the protector of the house. But, so if Joseph was here, this would have been very offensive for Jesus to say this. So just fun fact for the night <laughs> right and so jesus though he begins caring about other people you know have you ever noticed that when you're going through a bad day who gets the brunt of your psychoness those closest to you right you know they get the brunt of you know your anger. i remember uh, in in Mackay where i was from uh, i remember uh, doing three months 15 hour uh, uh, days and i was starting to get cranky i was starting to get burnt out I was, a prick, I was a very prickly person. I'd get home and my kids would want to play. And I'd be like, get away from me, you know? Little rat, seriously. I'd want, you know, I want to I wanna relax. I've had a big day. My wife would want to talk with me. You know, I'd say, get away from me, honey. You know, I don't want to, I want to relax. I don't want to be with anyone. I was prickly. Who knows? That wasn't very nice. 
<laughs> you know, regardless of what was happening in my world, that was not caring for other people at all. You know, looking back, I had energy to play for half an hour with my kids. You know, looking back, I had time to just sit and listen to my wife talk. You know, uh, I had that capacity to do that, but I didn't because I was cranky, you know, and I didn't care about other people but myself. All I wanted was for Tim to get on the Xbox, everyone else shut up. That's what I wanted. I cared only about myself. And that happens most Saturdays from 10 to 2. Uh, so, uh, so don't call me then. Uh, no, for, unless you think you can beat me at COD. I'm looking at you guys. I am a screen sheet, just like all of you are. I know you say you're not, but you are. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> Jesus here at this point, he's got his own problems, yet he cares enough about his mum and his mum's loneliness, his mother's uh, uh, mourning, you know, she's going to be going into, into a state of, uh, uh, you know, uh, mourning, whatever, and he cares about her. He pulls himself up and he says, Mum, here's your son, John, you're going to look after him, mate. He cares enough to even, even in the middle of his own problems to pull himself up, take a breath and say, you're taken care of. It's all right. You're cared for, mum. It's all good. Jesus cared for other people. And I just think that if we can care for others, that's going to bring good side effects in your life. It's going to be good side effects in our life. Number four is this honesty and commitment. I think if we can just be honest with one another, but committed to one another, I think there's going to be good side effects in our church and in our community. You know, Matthew 27, uh, and about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, you know, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You know, Jesus here is referring to Psalm 22, his theological uh, thing, you know, but Jesus is feeling so anguished here, uh, you know, so tired, he allows himself to be honest. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves that. Sometimes I think it's so easy to put up a brick wall and to not let anyone into our lives. It's so easy to put up a barrier and say, you know what? That's as far as you're going. Jesus didn't get up there. He wasn't hanging on the cross going, hey guys, it's, it's all right, it's all awesome. It's awesome, it's all good. You know, as soon you'll be, your sins will be forgiven. It's, it's good, it's awesome. He didn't do that. The guy was honest. And he begins to cry out, God, where are you? In a moment, I guess, of frustration, he is honest. He, he lets us in, I guess, to his manhood, you know, to the person of Christ. But I love that he doesn't give up. I love that Jesus didn't just get off the cross. I love that he didn't say the other, to the other guy on the, on the other side, hey, watch this, <laughs> you know. But he was committed. He was honest and he was committed. He was committed to what he was going to do. And I just think that if we can be honest with one another, don't put up roadblocks. Let's just be ourselves with one another. And let's be committed. You know, if you're committed to the best things for my life and I'm committed to the best things for your life, we're going to have a great relationship. Who knows, that's what makes a great marriage. Any married people here tonight? Yeah, let's be committed to one another. You know, I'll look at the best for you. You look at the best for me, you know? And uh, I just think that the side effects are gonna be better. Cool? Number five is this, purpose. I think if we can live with purpose, uh, you know, uh, certainly your life is gonna uh, be spewing out uh, good 
side effects. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture. He said, I am thirsty. Two things here. I like how it says that he fulfilled scripture in Psalm 69. You know, it talks about the Savior uh, drinking some kind of sour wine. He begins to fulfill scripture. Jesus knew what he was about. The other thing is this, that, you know, I am thirsty shows, I guess, the, the, the flesh of Christ. You know, it's a representation that, you know, in life, there's going to be things that we're going to thirst for. There's going to be things that we want. Let me tell you this. When we understand our purpose and we can, you know, in Hebrews 12 too, keep our eyes on Jesus, our flesh doesn't become such a big problem anymore because we can keep our eyes on Christ. We can keep our eyes on the things of purpose that He has for you and I. And that shoots adrenaline into our souls. And our Christianity starts to, 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 to have these amazing side effects where it seems blessing seems to follow wherever you go. And you begin to walk in the purposes that God has for your life. Number six is this victory. You know, Jesus tasted the sour wine. And he said, it is finished. It is finished. In the Greek, it was to tell us time. And in this, meaning this, that the deal is done. The debt has been paid. Let me tell you, Christian, you are victorious tonight. Let me tell you, you, have, you walk in victory. Anyone who says yes to Jesus walks in victory. Let me get your head up. Stop being depressed. Stop, stop looking at your own insecurity. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not old enough. I, 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 I don't know enough. Stop being defeated with your language. Stop being defeated with your demeanor. Get your head up. You're victorious. You're a high priest. You know, you're a holy nation. God has called you for great things. Get up. Get out. Get your head up. You're victorious. Woo. Number seven is this last one tonight. Let's finish on this. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Seventh is this trust. Jesus, even God himself, had that one moment where he had to trust in the process. He had to trust in the process. Father, it's done. I'm now trusting you. What things in your life? You need to pull yourself up and go, God, I'm releasing this and I trust in you. What things in your life do you need to pull yourself up on your cross? Die to yourself, like the word says. With your last breath, release it. Let it go and trust in God. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's holding a grudge. Maybe you don't care for people. Maybe you find it hard to be honest. Maybe you find it hard to find purpose. Maybe you don't feel like that you're victorious. What is it in your life that you need to pull yourself up? Let go and trust God. What if we can live lives that walk in the will of God every day, trust God every day, those six other things just fall in place. The last thing is trust people. If we can just learn to trust God's word for our life, those other six things just fall into place. Trust is the key. Trusting in God is the key. 